now that I see the interest in the violin conspiracy, I'm like, you know, I got to get my stuff together for a memoir because if this one aspect of my life is entertaining to people, the rest of my life is going to blow you guys away. It's going to just totally you just be sitting down when you pick up the book. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. This week, we have a special treat. We're sharing a conversation with Brendan Slocum, who joined us recently in the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club to discuss his musical thriller, The Violin Conspiracy. Regular What Should I Read Next listeners have heard from Brendan before. He appeared on the show in episode 351, Book Club Favorites, live from Bookmarks, as part of that excellent panel discussion with Tia Williams, Andrew Sean Greer, and TJ Clune. Brendan's debut, The Violin Conspiracy, was our January 2023 pick in Book Club. I knew as soon as I turned the last page of this book last year that we had to read it together. I'm always on the lookout for titles that deliver discoverability and discussability to our members. And wow, this one does exactly that. Brendan describes The Violin Conspiracy as the story of Ray, who discovers that his old family fiddle is actually a priceless Stradivarius violin. This discovery catapults him into superstardom in the world of classical music. But right before the Tchaikovsky competition, which is basically the Olympics of classical music, Ray's violin is stolen. He gets off his flight at the Charlotte airport only to discover his priceless Strad has been replaced by a white Chuck Taylor high top and a ransom note. And he has to figure out who took it. Was it his family who thinks that he should sell the violin so they can split 10 million bucks? Was it the Marx family whose great-grandfather owned Ray's great-grandfather, and claims the violin really belongs to them. Was it Mike the doorman? Was it his teacher who might be jealous because he's a better player than she is? Will Ray get that violin back? Will he compete? And will he win? This mystery propels you through the book, and there are also a bunch of threads woven through about never giving up and blatant racism and how do you overcome crushing obstacles and doing what you love. We could not wait to talk to Brendan in book club. He joined me in conversation along with our Modern Mrs. Darcy book club community manager, Ginger Horton, and our book club co-host, Shannon Malone. You will hear me croak out a few words welcoming everyone to the event and then hand off my mic to Ginger and Shannon. I have the privilege of moderating a healthy percentage of our author talks, but it's no secret to our book clubbers and maybe not to you, I mean, listen to me now, that my lungs have not been healthy so far this year. We are getting it under control, but for this session, I got to participate wholeheartedly and quietly in our book club chat while Shannon and Brendan dig into the book. We talk about the violent conspiracy, of course, but our conversation also delves into music, comic books, Brendan's recent reads, and his plans for future novels. You never have to read the book to enjoy and benefit from our book club conversations. So whether or not you've read The Violent Conspiracy, I think you will love listening in today. On that note, don't be concerned about spoilers. We have ensured this episode is spoiler free. We edited this conversation to work here as an audio-only podcast, but you will hear references to book club members during the interview. That's because while our members aren't on video during these events, they do participate actively during our conversations. They ask questions for the author, they chat with our book club hosts, and with each other. You'll hear that today. We would love to have you in book club. To join in on the ongoing conversation, head to modernmrsdarcy.com slash club.
Now, let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Book Club. I am so glad you're here. I'm Ann Vogel. I am delighted to be here. And also, I'm going to be in the chat today. You are in good hands with our community manager, Ginger Horton, and our book club co-host, Shannon Malone. We have a very special guest today. I'm so excited for Brendan to join us. Hi, Brendan. We're so glad you're here. I'm going to hand it over to my wonderful team and our illustrious guest. And uh, thanks for coming. It's going to be a blast. Ginger, take it away. I'm glad that you all are here. If this happens to be your first author talk, I know we've got a lot of new members of the new year. Let us know in chat what a way to start the year. I was just telling our panel here that you guys were active this month in the chat. I can tell it's emanating from the forums how much you love this book. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I will not be surprised if this winds up on some of your favorites lists from 2023. I know it's only January, but once again, I'm, I'm hearing those kinds of words. We've been doing this for six or seven years now, and I bet this will be a favorite. So like Anne said, I'm your community manager, Ginger Horton. We're joined today by our author, Brendan Slocum, and Shannon Malone is here today. I've got a poll for you, and I'm going to read these out. So if you miss it, not to worry, but I've got a poll. We want to know, do you play a musical instrument? We're talking about musicality this month. So many of you admitted to some musical training in your past, and we just found out something about our own Shannon this month, which I did not know. Shannon, tell us about your musical experience while people are answering. I studied classical piano for over 10 years and completed in national auditions. Yeah, scary times. <laughs> Who knew? I had no idea. You know people for years, and this is why great books bring out great conversations, because you find out some of this really fun stuff. So if you guys are answering yes, I would personally love to know. Tell us in chat what it is you played. I played nothing other than my little sixth grade recorder, and I can probably still pull out like a C-A-C-C-A, -C -C -A, but that, that is it, you guys, and I've always regretted that. <laughs> Well, we know our author has experience, and we are definitely going to get to those questions. We know you all want to know more about his writing life, his musical life, his teaching life. Let me end this poll here and share your results. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't know what to think, but a giant proportion of you, 44%, play a musical instrument. A little over half of us do not, so you're in good company, but I'm so impressed. And so without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to Shannon. I have been hoping for another interview from you, Brendan, and Anne, since I heard the What Should I Read Next <laughs> episode 351 book club favorites, uh, live from bookmarks. Y'all, that was such an utterly delightful experience. If you hadn't heard it, go listen to it right after this interview. I am excited to talk to you today, Brendan, and it's such an honor for me. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Ginger. As I said, I have a little bit of experience with classical music and classical piano, having had lessons for 10 years. And I wanted to thank you specifically before we got started, um, Brennan, because it brought back so many memories, some pleasant, some unpleasant. And I think it stoked a dying ember of my love for playing. I haven't really, I have a piano out, outside and haven't touched it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna tickle the ivories a little bit. So thank you so much for writing this book and writing um, this story. When did you start writing? Because I know you're a violinist and a performer and an educator. So when did the writing start? Have you always been writing things? 
Well, before I answer that question, I want to say to Ginger, I know your CACA is the absolute <laughs> best. I know it. I can feel it. Um, uh, wow, writing. I have actually always written, not to this extent, uh, you know, with the violin conspiracy, but far back as elementary school, when we would have to write creative sentences, you know, I would write some things in my teachers. I had one teacher that actually thanked me for my sentences. And I didn't understand why. I was like, well, I did the work like everyone else. You told us to do this. Why are you thanking me? And my high school teacher really pushed me to, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to have the same English teacher for 11th and 12th grade English. And um, she always pushed me. I would never get my you know book reports back or my, my paragraphs. We had to do like a writing assignment. I'd never get them back. And I didn't understand why. They were always up on the bulletin board. And, you know, I, I guess she liked them. And, you know, in college, I did a lot of reading my English classes, mm -hmm. writing papers and everything. And, you know, I, I'm actually the songwriter for my band. So it's it's always been there. And I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get a lot of people in trouble. But I've actually had friends that asked me to write some college papers for them because they were like, <laughs> I need to get a good grade on this paper. You know what? Sure, I'll do it for you. And they got A's. I'll just say that. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I've always loved writing. It's actually a pleasant surprise that people like what it is that I've written because I, I would have never have thought that, you know, as a musician. Sure, if I play something, you like it. Yeah, that's great. That's what I, I'm trained mm -hmm. to do. But, you know, writing, it's it's always a pleasant surprise. So tell me how you came to write this particular story, The Violin Conspiracy. It's largely autobiographical. So uh, I've been carrying a lot of this stuff around with me since I was nine years old when I started playing the violin. And the summer of 2020 really uh, kick things into high gear because as a working musician, everything stopped. No lessons, no recitals, no rehearsals, no weddings, no everything. So I had plenty of time to write and I submitted an old manuscript, which was terrible. And I'll be the first one to say that that is terrible. It's awful, awful. So if you ever see a science fiction manuscript by me, ignore it, please. <laughs> I'll pay you not to read it, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had plenty of time and, and I got a lot of uh, fantastic advice about what I should write about, mm -hmm. which is not science fiction. You know, I know music, so I was advised to write about music. And the first chapter of The Violin Conspiracy was born. I think I read somewhere that you had a violin stolen. Uh, 1953 yeah. Eugene Layman. Am I saying that correctly? Eugene Layman, you're saying that like you know where this instrument is, Shannon. Please help a brother out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I had a violin stolen in high school my senior year. Mm -hmm. um, it was supposed to take me through college, through my professional career, and, you know, it was gone. That's, that's one of the main reasons I put the theft element in the violin conspiracy because I could identify with it personally. And you actually had Ray select a layman as his replacement. Yeah. That was on purpose or, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a phenomenal instrument. It was, you know, everyone I let play it, they were mm -hmm. like, wow. Mm -hmm. I was like, yes, it's mine until it wasn't. So, yeah, it's a great violin and someone's out there enjoying it, I'm sure. Is there a difference between the 1953 and the 1959? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, you know... Uh, Tweaks here and there okay. from, from you know, just the maker, just a couple of tweaks here and there, but mm -hmm. uh, I prefer the 53. Okay, so why didn't you give that one to Ray? I'm just curious. <laughs> because it's mine. I can't give Ray everything. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> 
Well, then that brings us to the next question that people have been asking you. And you kind of sort of answered that already when you said it was largely autobiographical because mm-hmm. they wanted to know, is this your memoir? Are you going to write a memoir? Believe it or not, The Violent Conspiracy 2022, all of this, meeting Ann Bogle at Bookmarks, all of this is one very small portion of the life of Brendan. And now that I see the interest in The Violent Conspiracy, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I got to get my stuff together for a memoir because if this one aspect of my life is entertaining to people... The rest of my life is going to blow you guys away. It's going to just totally you just be sitting down when you pick up the book. That's all I'm going to say. But it's 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 coming. It's coming. This is also best news ever. <laughs> Looking forward to that so much. And I'm going to ask you about some of those other interesting components later. Bring it. Bring it. So I would like to know your musical background. I've listened to a couple interviews about your falling in love with classical music. Can you please tell us about your teacher playing um, Mozart? Oh, my gosh. In third grade, I had a music teacher, and her name was Mrs. Holmes. She was not a nice lady. She really wasn't. She was not a nice nice lady. She was mean as a snake, actually. Um, <laughs> and she played an excerpt of Mozart. Symphony Number no. 40, and that was the first piece of classical music I had ever heard. It was all strings in the one section that I heard, you know, the violin, the main theme. And she said, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a Mozart. And I was like, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a Mozart. I like Superman, but Mozart too? Oh my gosh. I, I will never forget this tune. And I loved it. I'd never heard anything like that ever. And it took a hold of me and it, it changed me that moment. And from then on, I couldn't get enough of it. And I'm, I'm so glad that I was exposed to it then. So you went on and learned the violin. Uh, we had the question, did you compete in any competitions? I did. The first competition I did was in high school. And like I mentioned earlier, I was in my hometown and I met with my friend Kimberly Jones at the time, Kimberly Simpkins now. We were like this. Mm-hmm. Every time there was a competition or an audition, it was Kim and Brendan. Kim and Brendan. We sat next to each other. We're always one and two in everything. First real competition was a talent show, and Kim would beat me at everything. She, It was always Kim and then me, always, <laughs> except for this talent show. Ah. I placed, she didn't. Yes, <laughs> finally beat her, finally. And, you know, there were competitions in college and everything, you know, for someone who'd never had lessons until they got to college, I did pretty well. You know, I, I would come in second here, I get an honorable mention there, you know, and just the fact that I was competing, it was, it was, it was great. You know, my teacher pushed me and I'm so glad that she did. Having that teacher to push you is awesome. I, I must admit, I didn't have that. And all my parents were interested in from my classical piano lessons was if I could play for church. So, (laughs) which I did, like I did. I was one of the church pianists at uh, 15, but, you know, I didn't go any further. So it's good you had someone to push you. Speaking of someone who inspired you, motivated you, people are wondering about Grandma Nora. Is she inspired by somebody? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Can you tell us? The blue hair. 
the pink and green rollers, the sweet, sweet, sweet voice. That was my grandmother. She was my maternal grandmother. And as I was writing her dialogue, I could always hear her voice. Always. She was the sweetest. If you heard this woman talk, you would like have to take an insulin shot because she was so sweet. (laughs) It's like diabetes dripping off of you. That's how sweet she was. And I, I, I would often wonder, am I just thinking that She's a sweet lady because she's my grandmother. I asked my mom, I asked my aunts and uncles. They all said the exact same thing. She was the sweetest woman on the face of the planet. And I loved her so much. And everyone that I know loved her so much. And this is one way for me to just show her and my family how much we love and appreciated her. Right. And her name was? Nora. I, I knew. Yeah. Good. That's good. my grandma. That's wonderful. So here at Modern Mrs. Darcy, we tend to be delightfully nerdy we like to say and we love hearing people all the details so book club member Kristen said that she very much enjoyed reading the interview with anderson cooper very surreal i could see and hear the scene as clearly as if i was sitting in front of my television screen and i have to add that personally yes very much so like i saw the whole interview happening (laughs) in my mind as i was reading it Were permissions necessary to do that? Or can you tell us about those details? (laughs) Well, with, you know, 60 Minutes and Anderson Cooper, they're Mm -hmm. all being public figures. Mm -hmm. No, it's like 60 Minutes is, I I wasn't making any money off of the name 60 Minutes or, or, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) I didn't have to pay Anderson Cooper. I doubt he's even read it. So if anybody has a contact with Anderson, tell him his name is in a book. (laughs) No, I didn't have to ask any permissions because it's all out there. It's all, but you know, it's fiction. It's fiction. Mm -hmm. And how did you get that idea to come about or, you know, was that something you planned on doing in advance or when did that idea strike you? It kind of came along as I was going, you know, I know I wanted to have an interview, but I I was thinking 60 minutes or, or 2020, Mm -hmm. but to be perfectly honest, I hadn't watched 60 minutes in a very long time. And I was thinking, (laughs) Oh, let me see one of the old, you know, Morley Schaefer. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think he's on that show anymore. So uh, I I talked to people and my agent actually was like, Anderson Cooper. I was like, no, wait, he's a CNN commentator. No, he does 60. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. So, hey, why not? He's a, you know, he's a very recognizable name. Let's mm-hmm. do that. I wanted to make it as authentic as possible. Mm. Well, it was. <laughs> it's like I said, I saw it <laughs> happening in my mind. We had a question from Susan, and this kind of coincided with a few other people, where they were so absorbed in the story, and I kind of did this too, you know, you're so good at the writing, that you're like, I need to look up Ray playing online. Like, I want tickets to hear this guy. Um, Then, of course, you realize, and as she said, you don't need to look up Ray, you need to look up Brendan. So, are there any uh, recordings or videos out there that you would recommend? Uh, I mean, I found some, but I don't... Don't recommend that. Please don't, don't. No, 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 please. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's just go with no. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, as a musician, I'm, I'm much more comfortable playing you know, in, in a group of people, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to perform with an orchestra. If there's, there's recording of, of me playing in an orchestra, sure. Go listen to mm-hmm. those. But like my solo stuff lately, like within the last year or so, I just haven't had the time to put in the practice that I want to. So there's a recording of me playing a Schubert quartet and I'm just like, all right, I'm struggling with this because it is hard. Schubert is hard. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to listen to, beautiful to play, but it's really, really challenging. 
And um, I, I'm not, I'm more proud of the book than I am of the recordings. I'll say that. So Catherine asks, what was your journey into publishing? How did you get your, your agent? I kind of fell into this whole agent author thing, the opposite of how everyone else does it. You submit your stuff and an agent says, okay, you know, I had an agent pick me. When I submitted my, my first manuscript of the science fiction novel, which shall not be named, he saw that the writing was okay, eh, but the story the story was, ugh, but the writing was, it's not bad. He said, I have a good voice and I should write what I know. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to go home and take your advice and I'll do that. So a few days later, mm-hmm. I'd written the first chapter of The Violin Conspiracy. I submitted it to this agent. He was like, whoa, I could sell this. Oh. I could actually sell this book. This sounds like a good story. Wow. Are you willing to write it? Yeah, sure, I'll write this. I'm doing nothing else, you know, except sitting on the couch eating all day. So, I, I wrote every single day and I took all the advice that he gave me, change this, do this, think about this, maybe this. And I argued a little bit just because, you know, that's what guys do. It was an alpha contest there. And I argued and, and the end result was it was magic. I trust my agent 100 percent and he is phenomenal. He has not steered me wrong. And, you know, I, I want to I want to impress him. So let's talk about some of those difficult moments and stories and sections no, of the book. there's nothing difficult in this book now. <laughs> and I know you wrote them for a reason. Thank you. I mean, when I read the scene of Ray being pulled over by the cops, Oof. I read it one night before bed, which probably I shouldn't have done. <laughs> and my husband was working late, but I went to sleep and I woke up in a cold sweat, y'all. Like, mm. oh, no. Is he home? Like, what What happened? And I was like, what What just happened? Because this is a constant worry that I have personally. Mm-hmm. And I have a little boy right now. He's eight. In about mm-hmm. eight years, he'll be driving. And I know my anxiety is going to be times 10 when that happens. In addition to, you know, just yeah. the regular, oh, is he in an accident? Like, oh, he's going to get pulled over. Can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to include that? I know you said this. Most of those stories are largely things that have happened to you. Mm-hmm. It was really a thing about validation and, okay. and redemption for me. When that incident happened in the summer of 2000, you know, this is pre-GPS, pre-smartphones, I was using a roadmap. A friend and I were driving through Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, our hotel was on this side of the street, but we were way on this side mm-hmm. and in the right lane, had to put on my signal. There's nobody on the road. It's a Sunday evening. Put on my signal, went over, Lights and sirens. I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. And my friend who was in the car with me on this road trip, you know, this white guy, he was, what are you talking about? It's like, it's here it comes. It's coming. I knew. I knew this was going to happen. I was in a brand new 2000 black Honda Accord, you know, black guy driving through the deep south. My friend didn't get it. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, this is just something that I have to deal with and you'll never have to deal with. And sure enough, the cop on his bullhorn Gun drawn, get out of the car, get on your hands and knees, you know, hands up. It, it was, it was terrible. I thought I was going to get my head blown off, mm-hmm. um, all because of an illegal lane change. And I need people to understand that things like this really do happen. I'm not going to say that the cop was racist. 
I can't speak to what was going on in his head, um, but I just know what I felt. Mm -hmm. And things like this really do happen to people. And when I would say this happened to me, I would always get, you probably did something wrong. You're exaggerating. It wasn't as bad as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And just being able to put that element in this book to get validation. And I've heard from so many people that same thing happened to me. When I would say this to people, they wouldn't believe me either. And I'm so happy that it is in a story that people can read and their minds and their perceptions of, of what life is like for black men. Now we understand. And and that that was a win. So I'm glad I went through that. So hopefully no one else will ever have to go through that. It's terrifying. That is actually happened yeah. to my husband also. Yeah. So, you know, guys, it's really real, y'all. It's real. It's yeah. real. Um, I've actually been pulled over too, not dragged out of the car, but I w they couldn't tell me what I did wrong. And then the police officer was like, I'm going to check your tent, which I knew was well below <laughs> our the legal limit because mm -hmm. when asked, I was like, I don't want the dark one. Don't give me the dark one, you know? Right, and right. he was like, I'm, I'm going to check your tent. And I'm like, okay, I hope that's all that's going to happen. <laughs> and then he checked the tent and, it's, it's real. and walked it's away. Scary. And I was like, did I do what something? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like shaking the whole time. I was pulling away and I don't think I calmed down for a good hour. I was, I was on a trip and, yeah, mm. it was it was a little terrifying. But I love how Robin in our book club put it that that is why reading is so important mm -hmm. because it allows us to take what we know in our heads or what we've heard people say and translate this knowledge into our hearts and our bodies. Right. I think you really did that with the violin conspiracy and the story of Ray where, you know, I was pulling for him with everything that was in me like he was a real person. <laughs> I do have a question about this story and how it was published in the past two or three years. Do you feel mm -hmm. like the world is more receptive to the sharing of these experiences now? Would the violin conspiracy been published like maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago in your mind? I think that um, the timing on this was absolutely perfect. Okay. Um, you know, for, for not necessarily for good reasons. Mm -hmm. When COVID happened, you know, everybody was kind of stuck in the same place and they bore witness to a lot of things that a lot of people had never seen before, specifically George Floyd. When the world saw what happened, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe things like this actually do happen. I just saw it with my own eyes. So stories like this, they were much more receptive to receiving stories like this and, you know, uh, the experiences that Ray had to undertake and just, just, you know, being able to say, whoa, maybe things like this really do occur. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to be honest, uh, I have to give credit to my, my editors and, and a lot of people who worked on this book. I was advised to take a lot of these things out because they seem so far-fetched. Mm. And I had to fight to keep them in because mm. a lot of people did not believe it. They were just like, this that whole wedding scene, there's no way anything like that ever happened. I'm like, I'm living proof that it has happened. You know, I, I pray it never happens to anyone else. But yes, it's real and I'm not taking it out. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep it in this story because it's very, very important that people see that things like this happen and the perseverance it takes to overcome them. Thank you for sharing that and for putting those things in the book. I want to switch gears to a lighter note. We have a question from Susan. 
they want to know about the action figures behind you. <laughs> Are there action figures behind you? I have tons of action figures, and these are comic books okay. here, and there are more comics stacked up to the ceiling there, and there's my friend Spider-Man right there, and uh, I've got the posters and everything, and my statues over there, and I'm a huge comic book geek, nerd, whatever you call it, but I got muscles, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> just, I love action figures and comics because they make me happy mm. and I keep them around and I collect them because they make me happy. They remind me of a time when my imagination was going and just, just being happy as a kid, you know, as a teenager, I'm like, Whoa, I love this stuff. I have piles of comics in my office because that's what I love to do. And if anyone says, wow, you know what? You're too old for this, whatever. You're never too old to do whatever it is that makes you happy and what you love. And that's where I stand on that. I have a personalized action figure on my desk ah. that I had made because I love I love this stuff. It makes me happy. Okay, it's awesome. good stuff. And if anybody can tell me who this is in the chat, I will send you an arc of Symphony of Secrets. Oh Look closely. my goodness! You know who this is. I will totally send you one. Oh. Anyone? Anyone? Tell me who it is. I'm shifting gears again. Ray is dealing with a lot, including his dysfunctional family, which you know is a plot point. He's very little support, it seems. His own mother doesn't support him. What is up with that? <laughs> like, Okay, okay. <laughs> if there is one person who can honestly say that they have no family dysfunction to any extent, I will not say another word. Mm. Every single person knows about family dysfunction. Maybe not to the level of Ray's family, mm -hmm. but everyone can identify with family dysfunction. And, you know, I, again, I was looking for that air of authenticity and I just wanted it, you know, to people to be able to relate. And you got to think Ray's family, you know, it was a $10 million violent, 10 million bucks. Why can't he just sell it and get another instrument and us split this money? It'll change our lives for the mm -hmm. better for the rest of our life. That doesn't seem like an unreasonable request to me, mm -hmm. you know? So it's family dysfunction at its finest. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. But I will say mom in the story is not my mom. I promise you. My mom would never try to actively keep me from pursuing music. So that part was definitely fictionalized a lot more. That was my follow-up <laughs> question. <laughs> so are you still teaching or are you too busy for that now? <laughs> Uh, oh God, the day that I get too busy to teach is the day that I uh, just, no, I can, no. Um, I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. Um, I actually have two lessons after this interview I have to go and teach, but uh, I'm no longer in the classroom, mm -hmm. but I'm teaching, I have a private studio of musicians. I'm teaching violin, piano, and guitar lessons and viola lessons too. I have two really good violists. And um, yeah, I, I teach when I'm not traveling. I'm on a weekly schedule and the parents have been so understanding with everything that's going on with the book. They know, okay, if you have to miss this week, that's fine. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll make sure they practice. And, you know, I love it. I'm a teacher first and foremost. That's what I do. That's what I've always wanted to do. That's what I've always done. What was your favorite song to teach and what is your favorite song to play? Are they the same oh, or are they different? That is a fantastic question. Oh, favorite piece to teach. Um, you know, I would do, uh, when I was teaching high school, I would teach the same, we would do annual pieces. I would do the same piece every year. It's a concerto for four violins by Vivaldi. Okay. He wrote a couple of them. I'm talking the B minor one. 
and my seniors, every year the seniors would look forward to playing the solos because I would play one of the parts and I would pick three other seniors to play. And from the time that they were freshmen, they would look forward to that. And who's going to get to play? They would always work hard so they could play, you know, the senior solo. And wow, did that for 11 years. It was awesome. And that was one of my favorite pieces to actually teach oh, and to play. There's so many of them. I'm a Vivaldi freak. Uh, okay. I love playing. I love playing the Four Seasons. Winter and summer are my two favorite to play. I love Dvorak. Uh, his Eighth Symphony is one of my favorite pieces to play. Schubert Nine is one of my favorite symphonies to play. Uh, you know, just you know, and Mozart Forty, of course. Mm-hmm. Meditation by Thais. Am I saying that right? Thais. Meditation from Thais by Thais. Jules Massenet. Yeah. I love that piece. It's beautiful. Yeah, I actually consider that like a theme song of my life because it starts oh. out all nice and then it gets all, you know? mm-hmm. And the way you, you wrote it in the book, I was like, he just described my theme song. I have words now. And I'm not going to read it. Everyone can go look at that. But yeah, that is my song so much. And I was so happy that you included that in there. I've never beautiful. been able to play it, though, but. It, I don't even know how that would sound on the piano. It seems to, I only hear it like in violins or flutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sure it's beautiful. Either However it's played, it's gorgeous. All right. People were curious about the sneaker. Like, why a sneaker? Um, the nerds <laughs> among us wonder if it was the same weight as a violin or whatever. So why the sneaker? Great question. I've gotten why a Chuck Taylor, why only one. Why a high top? You know, because a lot of people don't realize that a violin is really light. It's Mm -hmm. hollow. It's hollow instruments. It's just, you know, two pieces of wood put on top of each other, and there's air Mm -hmm. in between. Um, There's not a lot of hardware on it, so it's it's very, very light. It's a hollow piece of wood. People will ask, how heavy is that violin? It's not heavy at all, and it depends on the case, really. Uh, And the particular case that Ray was using, it was a very lightweight case. So you couldn't put something heavy. And I figured, you know, okay, size 10 and a half Chuck, why not? And when I ran that by my agent, he was like, what is that? I was like, you don't know Chuck Taylor tennis shoes? Where have you been? (laughs) Probably not one of the most athletic people in the world, although I would never play basketball in a Chuck Taylor shoe, but that's what they were made for. Um, No, never, never. No support. But uh, it was the perfect size and weight to fit in a case. And yes, I put a shoe in my violin case and you wouldn't know the difference. So have you heard the expression pants or a plotter when it comes to writing? (laughs) Yes, yes, okay. I have. <laughs> Which one are you? Every single aspect is laid out and outlined, but I don't necessarily follow it, <laughs> uh, but it's definitely done. You know, I've got part one, part two, part three. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And, you know, once the initial manuscript is done, I go back and, you know, change everything around because if it were that easy just to go boom, 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 psh, I'd have 10 books written by now, but now, yeah. Okay. I'm definitely a plotter. Okay, so now I want to talk about the acknowledgements and some of that life stuff you were talking about that's so fun. People want to know about your band, and I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. Geppetto's Wood? Wood. 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 <laughs> all I'm going to say is teenage boy humor. That's all I'm going to say about that band title. <laughs> and if you got a brother or a son, you totally get it. Geppetto's Wood. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I've been with that band uh, since I'm an original member okay. of that band, and it's it started 
one of my students was like, we want it to play for uh, like a pep rally or something at, at the school. And they were like, hey, will you sing this song? And I'm like, can't you find someone else to do it? Mm-hmm. No, dude, it would be so cool if you did. Okay, sure, fine. So we did a song, and then some of my guitar students were like, hey, can we play? Yeah, sure, why not? Let's, mm-hmm. let's just make it a big thing. Mm-hmm. And then a cellist from my orchestra, who is also a phenomenal singer, all right, I'll sing with you too. So we had like six people, and this was a band made up out of students and a teacher. And, uh, you know, different iterations came and went, and when everybody graduated and, you know, I left the school and everything – We've been together for a number of years, and the funny thing is, the drummer is one of my first students from when I taught in North Carolina. I taught him in ninth grade. He was in my orchestra class, played violin. Good. One of the best memories you've ever seen in your life. He would play something one time, and he would look at me, and I'm like, why are you not looking at your music? He's like, I know it. And I would test him, and he's totally got it memorized, incredible memory. And the lead guitarist is one of my former guitar students, one of my absolute best friends. And, you know, I watched these kids grow up to become these phenomenal musicians. And we play together, and we write songs together, and we go and perform, and it's it's amazing. You know, and then when I see them with a beer, I my instinct is to say, put, oh, wait a minute, you're in your 30s or 40s. Hold on, sorry, okay, just kidding. Hey, can I have one of those? No, but it's great. And, you know, we've written some really good stuff, and we've played some really good stuff. And I'm actually going to post one of the best songs that we've ever done. Awesome. I'm going to totally post it on, uh, like, my Instagram page. And, nice, um, everyone. The song is called 11, and not many people have heard it. And it is the best song that I have ever written. And they are an amazing group of guys, and I love my band. And what is that um, IG handle for those of us who need it? Brendan Slocum. All right. Now, you know, I have to ask you about Symphony of Secrets, guys, that are releasing on April 18th. I read an excerpt in the back of this. And uh, I'm sorry, Brenda, I do not know the name of that thing character you keep showing. But can you hook a sister up with an arc? Because <laughs> I am dying to know about what happened. What happened? Is this a continuation of Ray's story or what? Um, okay. All of my subsequent books, they're all going to take place in the same universe. Not necessarily the same characters, but there will be references to uh, past characters in future books. Like, you will see after you read Symphony of Secrets in the last chapter of The Violent Conspiracy, one of the main characters is named. You know, I'm not going to say or give any clues, but that character is named and plays an extremely important role in Symphony of Secrets, which I am so incredibly proud of. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do because violin conspiracy just rolled off of my fingers because, you know, it was so personal with, with Ray and myself. But Symphony of Secrets, you know, this story I had to create. I had to pull it out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. it was tough. I got to say it was really tough for me. And, um, you know, when when you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I felt like I had let a lot of people down because, oh, it's not a violin conspiracy. What are people going to think? I put it away for like six months. Then I read it again. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, did I write this? This is, what is this? I like this story. <laughs> I am in love with this story I'm and scared. I hope everyone loves it too. It's just, it's it's really a story about giving 
a voice to voices that have been silenced to giving a voice to the voiceless people who have never had an opportunity to shine, to show what they can do, to show their hard work and perseverance, people who've never been given that opportunity. And it's just a classic story that I really hope people enjoy. Can't wait to read it. Looking forward to it. And we see some of that comic book influence with the same universe happening. Maybe a little bit. Just, all, all I'm going to say is, is wait, I got like 10 books up here awesome. and there's going to be a story about someone and comic books and solving a mystery. That's all I'm going to say. Comic books play an extremely important is role. Is this book three? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're very we're very greedy <laughs> over here. We're very greedy. Uh, all I'm going to say about book three is that it involves a cellist and hypnosis. And I've already taken courses on hypnosis and everything and I've been through it. You're going to love it. Awesome. Awesome. We have a question from Jen. She says, is there any bookstore in your area that you love? There are two that I frequent. One is Solid State Books, which is on H Street in Northeast D.C., and Politics and Prose, which is in D.C. on Connecticut Avenue. And there's another location, but I go to Connecticut Avenue one. And they're great independent bookstores, and they've both been extremely supportive and kind and, you know, all of this good stuff. So if you are in the D.C. area and you need a book, Politics and Prose or Solid State Books. Yes, and now we know where to order that pre-order for Symphony of Secrets if we can't manage that art. So I'd like to close with one final question, and then if you don't mind reading that last little paragraph of the author's note. But the question that I have, though, is what are you reading now? <sighs> what am I reading now? I'm actually reading a couple of arcs right okay. now from uh, some fellow Writers, I'm reading an art called Closer by Sea, and I don't have it sitting here, and I can't tell you the name of the author yet just because it's, you know, a thing. I can't say. I, I just finished reading Ozark Dogs by Eli Craner. You want a good story? That guy can write. He can write his butt off. Oh, my gosh. It's just there were times that I literally went <gasps> as I was reading. I'm like, dude, and I called him, and I was like, this book is amazing. It's incredible. And I think it actually comes out next month, Ozark Dogs. It's a great story. And he also wrote Don't Know Tough, which is, I mean, it's like gritty, grit lit, I think is what he calls it. It's good stuff. What else did I just finish reading? Uh, so much stuff. I have a pile over there. Mm -hmm. See, I should have been prepared for this question. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to put a TBR on my website so that I don't have to think about this. This is exactly what happens to every reader. Whenever you're asked what you're reading, I, this happened to me yesterday. I was hanging out with some reader friends and they said, what are you reading? And I, yeah. mind blank. Like a ton of books, but I'm like, oh. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you mind reading that part. Quick, uh, just background behind this paragraph sentence that I'm going to read. I would get shirts every year for my students, my, my, my strings family students, and we would all get a long sleeve t-shirt so we could rep our colors at school uh, to let everyone know we were part of the strings family. And this was, I thought it was the lamest thing, but I just put it on a shirt and it comes back 15 years later and it has so much meaning and I had no idea how much it meant at the time, but it says, alone, we are a solitary violin a lonely flute, a trumpet singing in the dark. Together, we are a symphony. Brendan, this was awesome. It was such an honor for me. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing. Thank you for sharing. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. I am so incredibly 
happy. My cheeks still hurt because I'm smiling all the time because I'm so happy and so appreciative of all of the support that I have gotten. You know, this started February of 2022 when the book came out, and it has been a nonstop roller coaster of support from amazing readers and fans and friends and family. And I, I, I cannot thank you guys enough for everything that you have done for me. And it's just, I mean, I wish I could hug every single person and shake every single hand. I wish I could. I really wish I could. That's why whenever I see anyone and someone says, hey, Brendan, can you do this? Hey, Brendan, come here. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. You support me. This is the best way I know to show you how appreciative I am. You know, I, I got tattooed thank you here, but I don't know that I have enough arm to say thank you to everybody, but I'm so grateful for everything that everyone has done. I get to look at this every single day and be reminded of how amazing people are and just how there is so much hope in this world because of people like this audience and you guys and everyone. And I'm just so proud to be one small part of it. And I want to thank you guys for that. Thank you for being here. You guys are amazing. I'm going to, you know, just, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing so that I can be invited back because I absolutely love this. I love it. And I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm actually moving to DC in the fall. Our team members know this. And so now I'm just going to be stalking your favorite bookstores. I'll just carry my books around hoping to run into you and, and let you done, sign them done, for us. Done. So. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan. This was a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Oh, good. I'm seeing so many of your comments saying that this was your favorite author talk ever. Big words. No surprises there. Wow. We're going to say goodbye to our author and do a little bit of housekeeping around here, telling you what's happening next. Well, the next thing that we are doing around here is something new to announce you all, that we are having a Reader's Day on February 11th. So many of you have asked about that Reader's Weekend that we had last year. Can we do this more often? And we are answering with a big yes. So we are going to do a shortened version of that, a Reader's Day on Saturday, February 11th. More details to come, but we've got some worksheets and digital kit in the works for you. We'll have some flagship events that you can you know, put on your own calendar, do your own, join us. That's coming next. So keep your eyes peeled and keep talking in the forums. The chatter has been, I mean, I'm not kidding you when I say active. I can think of about two authors in our past that have had this many comments on any singular book in a month. This is like in the top two, I think, of all time in book yeah. club. So keep on chatting about it. Shannon, I saw so many comments. Zoom by. You need to go read that chat transcript when we're done because big hand claps to you for stepping in to fill Anne's really yes, big shoes. You really did a big. phenomenal job. Wonderful job. I mean, listen, you did a fantastic job, but he made it. Yes, really he did. Right. Was he the most charming <laughs> He's awesome. person? <laughs> He's so awesome. I'm so honored he I could talk so to him. Good. So honored. It means so much to me. Oh, I loved your question, Shannon. Thank you so much. And thank you all, our members in our chat. I really enjoy getting to participate in that way today. Thanks for having me there. Well, thank you all for joining us so much. This is the nicest place on the internet. And that is a real epitome of that. So thank you to Anne and to Shannon and, of course, to our author, Brendan. Can't wait to talk with you all again really, really soon. Hope everybody has a wonderful day and happy, happy reading. reading. Happy reading.
Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed today's peek into book club and our conversation with Brendan. I'd love to invite you to join us for more events just like this. Do that at modernmrsdarcy.com slash club. Now is a great time to join in. In February, we're focusing on friendship while we read the anonymous memoir, Becoming Duchess Goldblatt. Join us now, start reading, and begin chatting with fellow book lovers immediately without any fear of spoilers. To tell Brendan how much you enjoyed this conversation or to follow along and see how both his writing and music are coming along, follow him on Instagram at Brendan Slocum. That's Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N Slocum, S-L-O-C-U-M-B. You can also visit his website, brendanslocum.com. Start reading The Violin Conspiracy today, and here's a hot tip. If you love audiobooks, I highly recommend J.D. Jackson's narration. It is fabulous. And also jot down Brendan's April release, Symphony of Secrets, for your to-be-read list. Our website is where you'll find the full list of titles talked about today. That is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com. If you are already following us on Instagram, we would love to have you invite a friend to discover our show. Share one of our posts featuring an episode you've loved to your story, and be sure to tag us at What Should I Read Next so we can share it too. Seeing you share the show is our love language as podcasters. Thanks in advance for telling your friends and your followers on social media. You can find me on Instagram. I'm there myself at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L. Get our weekly newsletter right in your inbox. It's a great way to stay up to date with everything happening here at What Should I Read Next. Sign up at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. Special thanks today to Ginger and Shannon. What Should I Read Next is created each week by Will Bogle, Holly Wilkachevsky, and Studio D Podcast Productions. Thanks also to our community manager, Sara Ader. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. 